You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. Hello, everyone. This is Kim Anderson. Welcome to Restoration, a creation care podcast, where we talk about restoring our relationships with God and others through creation care. Hello. In today's episode, I interview Beth Bond, the Women's Ministry Director for Evangelical Environmental Network, or EEN for short. I hope you enjoy. Beth, thank you for taking the time to meet with me. Um, and to talk a little bit about sure. to talk a little bit about environmental issues and Christianity. Um, to start off, let's talk a little bit about the organization you work for. Can you tell me about the Evangelical Environmental Network and what they do? Right. Well, the first thing I'm going to do is make this shorter and easier because that is a mouthful. <laughs> um, we call it EEN, and EEN was started over 25 years ago as an attempt to get evangelicals in particular to think about caring for God's creation. And so um, like sort of like the best kept secret, there's a lot of other organizations known, but our particular focus is evangelicals. And of course, evangelicals is the largest segment Mm -hmm. of the Protestant movement here in the States. Um, And evangelical internationally really sort of means something different than evangelical here in the States. And so um, it was founded by Jim Ball, and um, Jim um, just really thought, you know, that we as evangelicals had a unique proposition, and we would be able to reach politicians that um, other folks couldn't reach. And so we've spent a lot of time um, working up on the Hill, um, and a lot of other organizations are more Mm organizing-oriented, and so a lot of our has been sort of quiet, but we actually meet regularly with um, mostly Republicans up on the Hill, like I would say 95%, uh-huh. and um, work to educate them. And then, of course, the other part is is working with e- evangelicals directly, and that's sort of why I was brought in. I don't do hardly any political work. I do a little bit here in Georgia, mm-hmm. but um, most of the work I do is actually working with evangelical moms directly. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that was another question that I had. Your title is Women's Ministry Director. Why would EEN, you know, want to work with women? Well, so um, first of all, let me just say, this is the job that makes my heart sing. I uh-huh. love this job. Um, Mitch Hescock, Reverend Mitch Hescox, who is the president and CEO of EEN right now, um, he always had a dream to work with women directly. And especially moms, he is a grandfather, and he loves his children and grandchildren. Uh-huh. And so he, he also knew that working with women and moms directly was a unique proposition from sort of like the general conversation. And especially with the mom's side of it, um, you know, moms are so busy, and they have the most important thing in front of them every day, which is their kids. But now that 30% of children in the United States' health is affected by pollution causes, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was really sobering to him, especially as much as he loves kids. And so he wanted to have a program that directly worked with moms. And so um, that's that's what my role is, and, and I love it. Um, we have focused on MOPS. I don't know if you're familiar with MOPS, yes, but it's yes. Mothers of the Tours. Yeah, and they have chapters all over the country. Mm-hmm. And I've attended the annual conference three years in a row now and spoken in several of the groups. We also have a Bible study for people to use. Um, 
And what what we found with MOPS, though, is, is it really is helpful if someone's already interested in, in the topic. Like, if there's no interest in the topic, it's a, it's a little more challenging to get in a group. But if there's someone interested, we've created all these um, resources for them to use. So we had the Bible study. Um, MOPS has a theme every year. We've created resources um, for each year, although those resources, even though they're attuned to the theme they can actually be used all the time and the the theme this year is decide to rise so i gotta get busy and write the resources for this year's theme Uh so but it provides like you know a meeting outline and um uh, a reference point for like who you might invite to speak um for those and um yeah so that's really where my primary work is done but i send out an email on a semi-regular basis to all the women of EEN. And um, we've just changed websites, and you know how that, well, <laughs> you may not, but mm-hmm. it's not fun. And yeah. so um, I had created a, a blog section, and we had a lot of content. I still have not gotten a chance to move it over, but at some point we'll get it moved over. So that's another way I've been reaching out, um, you know, doing blogs for, for moms. Uh-huh. I've always thought that women are a great area to reach for this as well, because if you think about it, they – are the ones who typically um, do all the buying for the house and the cleaning. And, you know, there's so many things that if you change their behavior, you know, or things that they buy, purchasing power and that kind of thing, then I think you can have a big influence on the number of chemicals and products and things like that that people are using. And that's what's so cool about the Bible study is we actually have an entire page of the things that they should avoid. And, and here's the thing that's really critical for evangelical moms, right? The thing was is uh, the terms that are sort of used in secular society, like climate change and, you know, pollution and everything, they're not necess- they don't come from necessarily trusted sources. They're very political. People hear climate change in the evangelical world and their minds just shut like a steel trap. Um, and so what we really wanted to do was create a safe, trusted resource for moms to come and get that information with the biblical perspective, right? Because, you know, that's what's so great about evangelicals and Christians. We're already always leading with that biblical perspective. Mm-hmm. And so once they the biblical call to care for creation and then they had that perspective, then it was much easier to go on and trust the rest of the information. And I'm going to tell you, because this is a pet peeve of mine, I've been to, um, I had a blog before I started with EEN, and I was very, very blessed and ran around Atlanta like a crazy person for 10 years and attended everything I could attend. Mm-hmm. And I, I, the, the people are like, well, it's too late. We have to do X, Y, Z, and the small stuff doesn't matter. And I'm like, well, that's two things about being a Christian. One we know our call with Jesus, the small stuff matters. Even if the world, you know, goes away, which I don't believe because God said you're not going to know when it's going to happen. Uh-huh. Um, what God calls us to do is walk daily with him in small and big ways. Um, and some days, especially as moms, the only thing we can do is, quote, unquote, the small things, like my, like making the right marketing um, decisions, sorry, purchasing decisions. Uh-huh. And But, you know, like if there's a hundred thousand or a million moms making small decisions, that changes the world. It really does. Mm-hmm. And um, all you have to do is look at the organic food mo- movement and what happened in the last ten years. And that was mom bloggers getting their, you know, their information together and educating. And they changed the 
organic food industry into a pen, a $10 billion industry. Mm-hmm. That is all on the back of the moms. So that's what I, I love about that. And then the other thing is Christians is, is, you know, we, we lead by example. And so, you know, if we can say, I am doing this because my faith calls me to care and love for God's creation. My faith calls me to be a better, a better person on this world. Then that's a real opportunity to, to use discipleship too. Mm-hmm. So those are the two unique propositions we have as, as moms that are evangelicals. Yeah, I've always my, felt my latest. Sorry, I was just finishing that thought about okay. like there's two things for moms, and don't don't be discouraged about you can't go to Congress and lobby about something. Just do your small choices every day and be an example. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was um, one question that I was going to ask. So there's a statistic that I've heard, and I tried to find it, but I, I know I read this in the last year that Christians are more likely to care about the environment when they understand the impact it has on humans and not necessarily like they don't necessarily want to hear about turtles and that kind of thing so um, the question is what can we help to do people do to help people understand the positive impact creation care can have on people and you mentioned you know for example like children a lot of children are exposed to pollution and that kind of thing so right well look here's here's the easy thing so the environmental, we call we as um, they call the big greens, like the people that the clubs that people know, Sierra Club, um, Nature Conservancy, all those guys. Mm-hmm. They do work, but they come from a very different perspective. Um, they do not come from a faith perspective. That doesn't mean there aren't faith people involved in those organizations. Mm-hmm. There are, but the leadership, in particular. I'm not saying they're godless, but their perspective has been very secular, and uh-huh. they've never based it in. And that's why those organizations reach out to us, because they've learned, they tried to get in um, Christian circles, but they did not have an authentic voice in uh-huh. the Christian community, especially with evangelicals. And we, <clears throat> you know, we don't work with all of them, because some of them we feel like are conflicted, are um you know, our uh, perspective, but uh, we, um, we, you know, we're always collaborative with anybody who wants to work with us, but we are very clear about who we're going to work with in regards to maintaining our voice because some, unfortunately, want to dictate just, you know, that's just the way of the world. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and that's one of the things that's so important about EEN. Um, You know, it's not that people don't care about polar bears, but there's not an urgency around polar bears. It's not that people don't care about turtles, but, you know, we have become very disconnected from nature. Yes. And um, and so it's like, well, what's more important, my child or a turtle? Well, that's an easy answer. It's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's one of the things I love about EEN's messages is, hey, God's got this, right? God, God's going God's to gonna take care of what he needs to take care of. Um, it's the sin of us, the sin of humans, that's going to cause us to suffer. And I was just watching a, a sermon the other day, and they were talking—I can't remember—it's I think it's Second Chronicles chapter three, fifteen. It was talking about sometimes God lets the sin of the world overtake, so people can get their their uh, you know their perspective realigned. Mm-hmm. And you know, God saved the best for last in Genesis, right? In chapter one, who did He make last? He made us last, mm-hmm. which means we are his entire package. And so when you go back to the Bible, right, 
and you see the call that God has given us over and over and over. There's over 700 passages in the Bible about how he calls us as humans to take care of his entire creation, but that his most precious relationship with creation is the thing that he created last, which is us, right? Mm -hmm. And so having that perspective and understanding that's where evangelicals are, are wanting to start, um, you know, it's very, very easy to have a conversation. So one of the things is, is I am not, I am no longer saying you need to do X, Y, Z on the environment. You need to do this, that, and the other to take care of creation. I always try to find out what do you care about, right? Well, what do moms care about? Mm -hmm. They care about their bambina, right? They, they uh -huh. care about those tiny, tiny fingers and toes, right? They want to make sure it's all perfect for them. Well, good, then let's have a conversation about how the current sin of the world, and most of it, unfortunately, I'm going to be very preachy. My mother is a retired United Methodist pastor, so if I sound like a preacher, because an apple doesn't <laughs> fall off the tree. Uh -huh. so, but, you know, hear about those things, and you got to make sure that we're protecting them. Never in the history of the United States have we had a point in time where 30% of our kids either have severe allergies, asthma, ADHD, or autism. All of them which are, are uh, linked to environmental contaminants. Mm -hmm. Now, um, uh, some people say there's been sort of this uh, the book written where autism and ADHD are linked to other things. And that's fine. That's the perspective. But I am confident in saying there are, it may not be the sole cause, but there are environmental reasons causing ADHD and autism because we work with Dr. Phil Landegren, who is from Children's Hospital up in Boston, a very strong evangelical, and he's done the research. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying this as, you know, Beth Fond, director of women's ministry, who, you know, was lucky to make it out of biology in high school. I'm saying this because I trust the scientists that God has put in our path to work with. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important thing. You know, you can't pick and choose science. All science does is explain the, the magnificence of God. And if you really want to, if you really want proof of God, then you need to look at some of the science because they're revealing the things that God has created and how absolutely amazing it is. But what they can't do is, is they can't take away that God created it. And there's this quote, and I'm going to mangle it, but basically it's from a scientist who started out as an atheist. And he's like, I was drinking this glass of water and I started at the top with science. But when I got to the bottom of the glass, I found God. And so one of the videos I, I sort of want to recommend, it's very depressing. I'm just going to say all environmental videos are very depressing. True. I always say I'm not going to watch them, and I end up watching them. Uh -huh. But if you haven't heard of Chasing Coral, um, Chasing Coral is about the collapse of the entire ecosystem of corals because the water has gotten so hot. Mm -hmm. um, but they, they spend about 10 minutes in the video explaining coral. And once you see how tiny and holy coral is, and that God made this, these, I don't, I don't know, animal, I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm not a biologist, but these, these creatures, uh -huh. right, that are all symbiotic and called to live together in harmony, but also at the same time have completely different roles to play on the coral reef. You know, that's sort of how God created us as humans. You know, we are called to be together we're called to be together we're not called to be out by ourselves and and covid I, i'm this is going to date the piece and i apologize but we are in the middle of the covid 19 right. epidemic 
And what we're learning is, is it takes all of us, right? Mm -hmm. Like isolation is not good for humans. And that's because God called everything from the teeny tiniest little something that feeds a coral plant to us as humans, we are all called in God's perfect plan to be together. And, and one of the things that I um, do, and of course I have scared some secular folks, is, is I'm like, if you want proof of God, go study science, mm -hmm. right? Because there's this scientific principle saying, out of chaos comes chaos. Nothing organized comes out of chaos. And yet here we have this incredible planet with this most amazing organized system. And everything he, you know, everything on this planet is an organized system. And um, one of the things that I love about God is the efficiency, right? It's like if you look at pine cones, I have a, a Christmas tree that's 30 feet high out in my front yard. It makes these teeny tiny, teeny tiny little pine cones. But if you look at big pine cones too, there's an efficiency there. They all sort of serve the same purpose, big or small, but they and they all work the same way. But, um, you know, God created it all for each its own unique purpose, but also to work together. So... So anyway, but you know, it's that whole conversation that, that you want proof of God, look at the amazing systems he put in place for us to have this beautiful, beautiful gift of a tiny little planet to exist on. I mean, it is truly amazing. And um, another thing um, that's sort of science oriented that doesn't seem to be in debate, you know, um, when the astronauts went out, they were asked, well, what's your favorite planet? And they'd be like, oh, it's Saturn or it's Jupiter or Mars or whatever. And then when they got out in space and they looked back on Earth hmm. and saw how amazingly, incredibly different our tiny little blue planet is, that that instantly became their favorite planet. Mm -hmm. Their home was sort of ignored, like, going to go out in space and see the planets. When they looked at us and saw how, A, different our, our planet looks compared to the other planets, and how beautiful it was, that instantly became their favorite planet. Mm -hmm. So you know, this sort of conversation of splitting God and, and science, to me, is, 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 is a disservice. And honestly, if you look at the root of where that quote-unquote science skepticism is coming from, it is all man, and it's all about greed, right? Mm -hmm. And so God doesn't want us to ignorance. God, that's why God calls us to be in relationship with him. He doesn't want us to live in ignorance. He wants us to to be engaged with him, right? And he wants to know, and he wants to reveal who he is to us, to live in perfect harmony with us. Mm -hmm. And so to me, science is study to find out like how absolutely awesome and rocking God is, right? Uh -huh. Like, because when you learn, like, oh my gosh, there's just no way. I mean, this, there's no way this could happen without God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing to look at all of his little systems and see how amazing and intricate each one is, much less how they work together. So, um, You mentioned Chasing Coral, and I was wondering if there are other books or videos or resources that you would recommend to somebody who's starting out on this journey. Yeah, so Chasing Coral probably is not the first one I would recommend because, <laughs> I mean, it is math. Uh -huh. um, there's a lot, a lot of books out there. Um and I guess, unfortunately, I'm not sure why there's a place I would start. If you're really going to start, though, as a mom, I would recommend getting our Bible study uh -huh. um, because it's sort of encapsulated. It, and it makes the things that are most pertinent for moms in one place. Mm -hmm. um, and it starts in the Bible. 
starts where all good things start. It starts in the Bible, the uh-huh. first the first week. Um, and and you can come to the site and download it. It's a we've got it in PDF. We had it printed, but we're actually out of the printed copy. So that's actually the first place I would start. Um, <clears throat> there are a lot of books, and like I said, the videos are really hard because they're they're pretty depressing. Um, I do have. I'll have to give you the link to share in the notes for the the show. There was a video produced by, uh, it's a 10-minute thing. It was produced by a church down in Orlando that's an evangelical church. And it's dated, but um, it it goes through the call of how to care for creation. Uh And I have played it. And um, when I show that, I always have people come up and comment on that. And those are the first two places. Now, some of the broader things is... um, I, I'm just I'm not going to recommend any videos because I can't think of one that that isn't sort of depressing. Uh-huh. Um, I can give you a list of videos for your show notes that if people want to sort of dive into the, sure. the darker side of things. Um, some of the books I might recommend. Gosh, there's there's so many. Well, I'll tell you that it's, this is sort of bad that I forgot. So the first place I would start is um, it's called Caring for Creation. Um, it was written, it was co-written by um, Mitch Hescox, our, our uh, um, uh, president and CEO, and the former board chair, a guy named Paul Douglas. And it's an evangelical perspective to caring for God's creation. Mm-hmm. And so it gives you a safe place, and it's a very honest conversation um, for people that are really looking into you know, what is the call for caring for God's creation? How does this relate to energy? What, you know, what what are we supposed to do as Christians? So that's the first place I would start. Um, and then I guess there's a book, um, it's called uh, Almost Amish. Uh-huh. So he started a nonprofit. He was an emergency room doctor and got called into doing this work for creation care. And of course, I'm I'm drawing a blank on his wife's name, but the wife wrote the book almost Amish. And what it is, is it's basically, now she wrote a book called Go Green, Save Green. Uh Don't read that book. That's (laughs) another one that's like massively depressing. Mm -hmm. But almost Amish is is her journey about how she lives her daily life and she simplified her life and therefore reduced her. She doesn't ever talk about carbon footprint and that's big fancy words, but by reducing and simplifying her life, how she created space for God and space for her family and space for the things that matter. And oh, by the way, when you you know create those spaces and you simplify your life, you're also reducing your impact on the planet. You're reducing your carbon footprint, um, and you're you're basically living more in tune with God. They also did a book called Twenty Four Seven, which is talking about the activeness of practicing a real Sabbath, mm-hmm. um, which I did really really well. It's gotten a little squishy, so I need to get back into it. Uh-huh. But like. Do not like to be on the computer. I really do not like to answer emails. I really, I'll be honest, I don't like to do church meetings, although most church meetings happen on Sunday because mm-hmm. I want to have my service in the morning and relax and just be still and enjoy the day and not be, you know, scattered with all the technology, which I can be very guilty of. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I've would, been trying to relax more on Sundays too. So, when I was going to say, so the, the other one, so, it's funny that I'm, I'm, I'm bringing up his three books, um, but the other one he just did is called Reforesting Faith. Uh-huh. And um, the good thing is about all three, so there's uh, Almost Amish, 
um, 24/7 and reinforce some faith. All these are all quick reads. They're under they're under 300 pages. They're well written. Reinforce some faith is exploring the conversation that um, that we are writing nature out of the Bible. Like if you look at the King James translation of the Bible, mm-hmm. something with nature like tree, leaf, fit, you know, fig, flower, fruit, whatever is mentioned over a thousand times, a thousand times. So nature, I mean, and in some ways it makes sense if you think about how they were living versus how we live now, but nature was an integral part of the Bible and, you know, references to illustrate parables and, and stories of God's care for the creation are throughout the Bible. But mm. as we have done this mo- in a modern way, um, we keep on editing all these nature references out. So the um, like the message has five hundred compared to a thousand in the King James version. Uh-huh. Not that I'm a fan of James version, but it is an interesting conversation. True. And some of the newer translations, you know, maybe only three hundred references. So now you cut seventy percent of nature out of the Bible. It's a very interesting conversation. So mm. those are three places to start. And and the other reason I like these are because they're easy dive ins. They're easy to do as um, a Sunday school, school series, a small group uh-huh. um, piece of thing. I taught 24-7 to three different Sunday school classes at my church. Okay. So, I mean, you know, it's it's a very easy thing to engage in. The next question is, I feel like creation care can range from, you know, I think there are some people on one end of the perspective or continuum that think if they're recycling they're doing enough. And I mean, a lot of times when you talk to kids about it too, that's what's come, comes up. Um, I mean, recycling is, is easy and people know about it. Right. And then there's, um, I follow some blogs that talk about the zero waste movement and, and trying to get rid of, you know, almost all waste. Um, and there's a big continuum in between. You've said you don't tell people what to do, but I'm just curious where, where you fall on the continuum. So let's talk about recycling. And then let's talk about not recycling. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, here's the thing. So, recycling is extremely complicated. Mm-hmm. It is a business market. Um, and therefore, it is implemented in 25 billion. I could tell you what we do in Atlanta. And in Metro Atlanta alone, there are, you know, there's a recycling program for every city, every county. We have 20 counties in Metro Atlanta. Uh-huh. You know, we wow. probably have these cities uh-huh. now think about every in every county so now you're talking about 70 different recycling programs mm-hmm. so that's one of the reasons that recycling is so challenging to talk about because it's very hyper local uh-huh. the other thing is is um, we fail at recycling and this is the message I'm telling about recycling if you care about recycling then what you need to do I'm not going to tell you to stop recycling but what I'm going to tell you is what's more important than recycling is calling manufacturers and saying, why aren't you using recycled content? Because the whole idea of we're going to recycle is, is we're going to reuse it. Mm-hmm. Not that we're going to just put it in a recycling bin and it's not going to get reused. What's the point? You might mm-hmm. as well just put it in the trash. Right. And because it's a commodity market, right? Cardboard, we're, we're, we're doing a, a pretty good job of. Mm-hmm. Aluminum is the second one, actually the most valuable one. We're doing a lot better. We can still go a lot further. Um, and I'll tell you about um, a program that I've created and um, is not unique, but I'll tell you about the program in a minute. 
Um, but when it comes to plastic, hyper complicated. But here's the reality. If you're a mom, you're probably using a lot of milk in your household. Mm-hmm. I know some moms use two gallons of milk a week. Uh-huh. You know, if you're getting a gallon of milk, it's coming in a plastic milk jug. And it's going to have that recycle stamp on it. And it's one. That's the easiest plastic to recycle. And it's going to brag about how you can recycle this carton and you can feel good. But what percentage of that milk carton is made out of recycled content? If all we're doing is creating new plastic mm-hmm. to quote-unquote, then we're not doing the part. So um, what I want women to do is, is you want to recycle? Great. Then make sure you that the, the plastic is being recycled. Putting it in a bin and going in a way and having some and trust trust somebody to to use it is not working. Mm-hmm. And what do we know we can do is we as moms and women change the world. We can do this. Uh-huh. So if you're getting plastic uh, recycled uh, jug, whether it's three a week or one a week or one every two weeks. Then take a minute, you know, put on social media. I want this milk jug not only to be recyclable, but to contain 30% post-consumer waste recycled content, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you care about recycling, then, then it needs to have recycled content. It's ridiculous that we think that it should go to China. That was never why recycling was created. Mm -hmm. Recycling was created because we were supposed to reuse it and it was supposed to get consumed, not sit in a landfill. Most plastics, if they're not recycled, will be in a landfill for a minimum of 200 years. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of statistics about yeah. that, um, about this. So like, if you care about recycling, then make sure you're purchasing packaging that has recycled content. So another, and I, I never thought I would ever, because I don't even like to think about it, but like it is insane to me that you would re- purchase toilet paper that doesn't have recycled content in it, uh-huh. right? So every, all the toilet paper I purchase now has 100% recycled content because it's supposed to be reused and, you know, not to get really gross and disgusting. But, I mean, like of all the things we use, that should be 100% recycled content. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no reason we should be cutting down trees in Indonesia so we can have toilet paper. Uh-huh. Like, we've got the paper. We can recycle this. This is an easy do. And the good news is, is more and more people are getting on it. And, and you know, I love the brand names, but I'm like, the brand names won't, go, won't make a commitment to recycle content. Uh-huh. And so I'm going to use all brand names until they get their act together and use recycled content. Right. There, I mean, this like, and paper towels. Paper towels is another great example. Mm-hmm. We talk a little more deep paper towels. Well, it's, first of all, you cannot recycle paper towels. People think, oh, it's paper. I can recycle it. You can't. Something about the process. So if you're going to have to throw it away anyway, then why shouldn't it be, you know, made out of content that was thrown away to begin with, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, other, the other thing is, is ostensibly we could run out of materials, which would be brilliant. That's not going to happen for a really, really long time. But thinking about things made out of other recycled content, so there's uh, an ingredient called bagasse, it's B-A-G-A-S-S-E. That is the waste from sugarcane. So if you know anything about sugarcane is... You know, we think of sugar as that fine, grainy thing you get right. and makes everything taste good, right? But sugarcane are these huge, woody, pulpy stocks. Right. And so there's a, um, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of waste in a sugarcane and um, refinement process. So to get that beautiful little crystal sugar at home, 
I mean, it's come from this huge stock. And so mm-hmm. think about how much sugar we eat and how much waste is being created from sugar cane. Mm-hmm. And so the bagasse is taking the waste from the sugar-making process from all that woody fiber of sugar cane and making it into paper. So mm-hmm. there's no waste from the sugar process. We ain't getting rid of sugar. Let me go a little southern on y'all. We ain't getting rid of sugar, <laughs> uh-huh. right? But why not, instead of, like, creating all this waste, take that waste and create something good out of it. So where you would find bagasses is in, like, um, copier paper. Like, if everyone could get their church to use bagasse paper, it's a little more expensive. I get it. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is the market. You create a bigger market, the price is going to drop. Yeah. But if everyone could commit to using paper made out of bagasse, I mean, think about what a change. And that's a stupid change, right? I mean, that's not that's not the change anybody's thinking about. Mm-hmm. So let me get back to recycling. So aluminum tabs, this is a great thing for churches to do. I've created a program for, um, I'm involved with United Methodist Women. We are going to be, we are now starting to collect aluminum tabs. Like I said, this wasn't, um, this is not original. But we're going to take our funds and donate to a fund that supports women, which I love, right? Uh-huh. So basically you collect and then you sell it to the recycler, they give you money, and then you can donate to whatever your favorite nonprofit. Uh-huh. Now, I will tell you, Ronald McDonald House has been doing this for years. You have to look it up and see if they're doing it. But my dad does it for his Baptist church in Mobile, and they donate it all to the Ronald McDonald House. I don't care. I don't care where you donate it. You know, create your own program, program like we've done here in the Georgia or do the Ronald McDonald House. There's some other people who do it. Um, I don't care what you do it, but recycle, I mean, there's no reason you shouldn't get money. Now, let me tell you why you do tabs versus the entire can. Um, Tabs don't get dirty. They're lightweight, and they're easy to mail, right? Uh So we're going to have people mailing all over North Georgia. So from, you know, the state line to South Carolina over the state line to Alabama. If we collected cans, it would be a mess. And the other thing is, is people aren't necessarily good about the cans, um, and realize to cleaning them. Mm-hmm. So the tabs make a lot of sense. The other thing is, is the most weight in an aluminum can is in the tab, if you think about it. Uh-huh. Because it's folded, right? So it's always folded to give you the strength to to open open it, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, by collecting it, this is a, a way to do a small act, support God's creation, um, if you recycle one aluminum can, that's the equivalent of driving one less mile in regards to carbon. Mm-hmm. That's how powerful recycling aluminum is, uh-huh. right? I mean, you, one can equals one less mile of carbon of a car. Mm-hmm. And think about how many cans. And the other thing, this is the other thing that's really important. So people are like, well, I don't drink soda. Great. That's healthy. I applaud you. I don't drink beer. We, as, you know, Christians, for the most part, tend to drink little less than other folks. Uh-huh. That's fine, too. Um, there's plenty of other things that aluminum tabs are used for now. Pet food cans, soup mm-hmm. cans, um, other kinds of food cans. Um, I play tennis. Atlanta is tennis crazy, and we're all crying because our tennis season got canceled but, yeah. um, this season. But the lid's on uh, tennis cans, right? Mm. So anything that's pressurized has an aluminum tab on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you start thinking about all tabs are like oh my gosh yeah that's crazy that we're not recycling and why not recycle them and get the money directly to go support your favorite local activity or whatever mm-hmm. so um okay so this is we may go two hours on this podcast because <laughs> i have so much to say so one of the things about recycling is is people get hung up on recycling right 
and they spend so much energy recycling and getting focused and getting other people um, recycling. And that's great. And that is a worthy cause. But they forget to do the other things, right? They just get so hung up on it. And I'm just saying, like, recycling, yes. Absolutely do it. Yes, incorporate it into your daily routine, but don't stop. It doesn't stop with recycling, right? You need to be thinking about energy efficiency. And quite frankly, because recycling right now is such a mess, let's be sure. honest. Mm-hmm. And our current, current state is a mess. And, it, you know, like beyond the mess of like there's 70 different recycling programs in metro Atlanta alone. And there's people who live out in north Georgia who can't recycle at all. I you used know, to that, live in that, north Georgia, and I had to take my recycling and my garbage weekly. So it, you had to yeah. really be committed to recycle there. So. Exactly. So that's my point. But beyond that, there's so many other things that you can do, right? Um, and so please don't stop with recycling. Um, I say, you know, that sustainability and creation care is a journey. It's not an end destination. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be involved. You're always going to find different things that you can do to care for God's creation, whether it's smiling to a person and showing God's love when you're out in public because you can smile above the mask <laughs> or um, – you know, saying hello to a child that may be ignored, that's caring for God's creation. But, you know, then the other things that are more practical, like recycling, you know, do energy efficiency. Change your light bulbs out. People are like, oh, well, you know, it, it makes a huge difference. And when you do it at home, then go do it at your church. Like, to me, if you are a Christian and you want to care for God's creation, I would recommend changing the light bulbs at your church first before I would recommend recycling because there's so many what I call unintended benefits. A lot of times corporations have to make decisions in the lens of what's the un- – can we think of unintended consequences, mm-hmm. right? And, of course, they're unintended, so they can't always think of it. But they're always trying to think, what is my impact, my negative impact going to be made by this decision? The beauty of caring for God's creation is, is there's so many unintended benefits. Well, you change the light bulbs at your church. What happens? Well, A, the church saves money. Your trustees now love you. Your elders love you. You are a hero now, right, because you saved money for the church. Uh-huh. Um, second of all, you know, there's a maintenance thing. Like, they don't have to change light bulbs so much. And, you know, like, I, we sort of laugh because we got our um, LEDs put in the sanctuary in our chandeliers. And um, they used to, every six months, up and down, up and down, up and down, bring the chandeliers down, change light bulbs out. And we've had them in for four years now, and I don't think they've had to replace any yet. So wow. now I will tell you, we were at the beginning of the technology, so there's a couple burned out. So if you come to my church and say there's a burned out one, but they're not change, they don't change until they hit a critical mass, uh-huh. right? But for four years, no one's had to lower the chandeliers to replace the bulbs. So you know, yay! Like, do that. Um, think about how you're air conditioning and heating your sanctuary. Um, um, uh, and your church buildings, you know, are people leaving lights on all over the place? You know, sometimes it's not about a bulb replacement. Sometimes it's about just putting a sign over the switchblade. If you're in, I have a very big church that I go to. Um, you know, if you're in the hinterlands in the church building and someone's left a light, bulb, light burning, it's going to burn all week long and no one's going to use it, right? So, you know, doing those kinds of acts and when you put it in the perspective of this is caring for God's creation, um, I will send you a, a video clip on YouTube that you can share with your folks that show how they get coal. Now, granted, coal is going down significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but also show uh, get a video showing you fracking. You know, both 
activities are hugely detrimental to caring for God's creation. Mm -hmm. and, and it's waste, right? You know, like people are like, like, I can get into the conversation about renewables. I'm going to spare you because I've talked so much already. But the point is, is, is that we 40% of the electricity we create in this country, 40% is wasted. Wasted. Because people leave on lights and they don't think and the church sanctuary is cooled at 65 degrees the whole week because we need to use the sanctuary on Sunday. So let me give you a quick example about how energy efficiency can really make a difference. So um, there's another, the largest church in the North Georgia Conference, United Methodist, who shall remain nameless to protect the innocent. Um, they had an energy, they had a guy at the church who I love dearly, and he his energy is his business, and he did an energy audit for free for the church. That's very nice. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to expect that if you do an energy audit, energy audit, it's going to be free. But he did it for free for his church, and the first thing they did was they did building assessment, and they have they probably have ten buildings. They're they're all huge buildings because they're a, a metro church and they're in downtown and like in this very small. But they had ten buildings, and they found out that they were heating and air conditioning at a comfortable temperature for people to meet in because it was a Sunday school building, so they're using it on Sundays, and there was a group on Wednesday, a, female, a group of females, which I'm convinced was UMW because who else is meeting in the middle of the day uh -huh. except, you know, but it's women, and they were heating and cooling this building for Sunday and Wednesday morning meeting. So five days out of the week, they didn't need all this heating and cooling. Not that you don't have to do a circulation thing, but you don't have to cool a building at 70 degrees for Sunday morning use and one meeting on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. You know, you can put it up 78 during the week or vice versa. You know, warm it up to 72 during the winter, but you can put it at 68 for the five days the building's not being used. And, all they, ha and they didn't have to put in some fancy thermostat or computer program to manage it. All they did was say, Hey, ladies, would you mind moving to another building where we're using it regularly during the week? And they saved thirty to, I think it's thirty-two thousand dollars annually. Wow! I'm just moving one meeting to another part of the building that's being used. Uh -huh. There's no technology in that, right? Just humans thinking wiser, uh -huh. being better words of God's creation. And they say, and thir you know, thirty-two thousand dollars. You know, that's vacation Bible school for some churches. You know, I mean, you know, and and granted, if you're in a smaller church, your savings are going to be smaller. But from a percentage standpoint, they might even be bigger. Uh -huh. So, you know, focusing on those kinds of things. Don't just stop with recycling. And if you haven't started, you know, start recycling. But but start with something like that. Think about energy. Think about those kinds of things and um, and 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 do that journey you know um, for people who are in metro areas EV chargers at your church you know encouraging people to use EVs we do a program at our church twice a year called bike walk and carpool and so whoever has the most people who carpooled walked or biked to church that Sunday school class gets a box of revolution donuts which are these awesome fancy donut things uh -huh. and donuts made here you know, like encourage people to be thinking about it. Those those small acts matter. If every church had a bike walk, carpool Sunday, I mean that would be huge. I mean, so in some ways, I guess we're sort of doing that now. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh -huh. The impact would be huge. So anyway, yeah, okay. You I mentioned think I've covered that. Yeah, you mentioned COVID nineteen earlier, and I think that there are going to be a lot of benefits to the planet 
um, early on, I heard that China stopped a lot of production for about a month and the huge impact. Sometimes I'm a big picture person and not a, you know, detail person, but um, it had a huge impact on, you know, carbon footprint and that kind of thing, just with one month of slowed production. So I think that um, you mentioned also, this has been a little bit ago, but, um, you know, taking a Sabbath and, and things like that. I think that this time is really a time to, a lot of people are taking it to like reflect and um, spend more time with their families and go on walks. And I mean, that's where my family is too. And it's just, I mean, for me, it's, even though it's unfortunate, it's been good. And, and I, I'm hoping that people will come out of this and um, kind of be more, you know, they'll, they'll carry those back into their, their normal life, those, those things like that. So, um, so one question about the EEN is how would somebody, how could somebody get involved? Um, you've mentioned resources and things like that, but are there, um, you know, local chapters or meetings or anything like that, that, um, somebody can use to get involved? Well, that's perfect. So, um, we have really been sort of a national organization that has supporters, but haven't done a lot of interaction. But one of the things that the, the, the stay at home has done is we are re-envisioning EEN. And so June um, 1st, 2020, you know, when people watch this, we are starting a partnership program. And that is going to include um, people <clears throat> coming together in groups. Now, it may be in Zoom. Like down here, we may have enough people in Atlanta, but we may do like a Southeast thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And Zoom is video conferencing for anybody who doesn't know it. But we are going to be creating that because we're finding that people really want that interaction and they want um, ideas. So that's the first thing we're doing. Like I said, it's not starting till June 1st, 2020. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of materials out there now. If you want to start your own creation care team, I mean, they're called all kinds of different things at different churches. Mm -hmm. But, you know, creating, they, I promise you, there are people at your church who care. They may be silent because they feel like they'll, it's too political or they'll be put down. But, um, you know, you can have an exploratory uh, green team. And green teams evolve into all different kinds of different things. You know, some green teams and, end up doing their own church garden, right, and giving that food to homeless people or to uh, food banks, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, that's a thing, you know, that's really in front of mind right now is is food scarcity for right. those who need it most. Um, so that's, you know, sometimes green teams look like that. Sometimes green teams start with energy efficiency. Sometimes our green team, at, we call it a creation care team, um, we, do, we do programming. So we're like, we're having to reboot because of the situation, but we're doing a series on Fence line communities, which is learning about environmental justice. We show chasing coral. We've, I mean, we've had speakers come to the church. We've done a lot of pro, you know, program educational things at our church. So, um, you know, um, and, and like I said, EEN has plenty of resources to help you launch that. You can engage with us. Many people in in the 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 movement. I hate sort of that word, but <laughs> in the move are engaged in different ways. They're mm -hmm. engaged in their church. Being engaged with a secular organization, you know, they may be engaged with us. So so there's a lot of cross-pollination from ideas, and, and I don't want everyone to go out, especially while we're learning to sort of unplug during this time, per se, not to go out and join a bunch of different groups, but I am saying there is value to sort of, you know, doing different things with different people all on the same thing. Mm -hmm. I am very clear what God has called me to do, like, 
I, when I started the blog, it was a business blog, and I was like, we're going to get 100,000 emails, and we were going to sell it to Disney for $10 million because somebody had done that, and uh-huh. I was going to move on. God just laughed. He just laughed, laughed at me and said, I got a bigger plan for you, girl. And so um, that's why I'm so blessed and honored to do this work. But, you know, just, um, you know, let us help you. I am happy to, like, um, you know, speak to a group. I'm happy to lead. Now that we've all gotten used to doing video conferencing, um, I'm happy to remotely come in. I can't travel everywhere, Mm -hmm. but we know that it's, you know, better if I don't. But I'm happy, like, if you want to do a Bible study, you know, with a group of people from church, I'm happy to do this. Y'all, once we get past this, you know, social distancing time, you know, y'all can meet together. I can can talk to y'all and lead a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I can do the kickoff of the Bible study. So there's a lot of different ways that you can engage. But please stay tuned for um, EEM partnerships because the training that we're going to do, I think, is going to be really valuable also. Okay. Sounds good. I, You know, I guess um... – I think I had some questions prepared and I think we've kind of answered them in parts of other questions. Um, so my last question is where can we find you or, um, the evangelical EEN? Um, you know, how do we connect with you personally right. and then so also the your web- organization? Right. So, um, so for me, there's several places to connect with me. First of all, my email address is Beth, B E T H at creationcare.org. By the way, we won. That's the best, website address ever creationcare.org which is also our website so uh-huh. i'm like hey i thought this was a competition but that's the best <laughs> name ever so um makes it really easy to remember it says once again creationcare.org um i also tweet a lot um so i have ee and mom's twitter handle mm-hmm. and i think if you just search ee and mom's you'll find it i i think there's an underscore in it um also i'm on instagram and i like to share tips um because we didn't even talk about food, and food's a whole other thing. Um, and I, so I share a lot of tips about food and recycling and also uh, Bible verses on my Instagram account. And then we have a Facebook group, and that's EEN Moms also. Um, and then there's EEN has a Facebook page. So you can like the Facebook page, and you'll find the group where you can join the group. And that's where people um, you know, share ideas. I post fairly regularly. Um, but I love it when other people post and share their ideas mm-hmm. with us for things to do. Um, so those are the places that you can um, engage with us. Okay. Um, and one last question is, do you have a favorite product or not that, um, you know, I think in terms of trying to reduce our waste and things like that, it's not always about what we can buy. But um, do you have a product or a, um, action that you've taken that you is, is kind of your favorite. For me, it would be, I bought a, um, a, a dishwashing bar. So when we hand wash our dishes, um, I have a sponge that I put it on and, um, you know, then I wash my dishes with that. Um, I think it's been really, it's saved on plastic is the, the point of those. And, and it's lasted a long time. It wasn't that expensive. Um, I was just wondering if you have anything like that. So, so my first one I've already talked about is 100% recycled toilet paper. Mm-hmm. So the next and, um, and I've got a ton of products, right, because I did the blog, and, uh-huh. I mean, we could go spend a day doing that. But so I'm going to say it's called Soy. It's S-K-O-Y. You can buy it on Amazon. They are, think of them as sort of like sponge rags, so mm-hmm. they're about this big. They're made out of 100% um, recycled 
paper. Uh-huh. They feel like a rag. Not a rag. They feel more like a sponge. Um, but they're made out of 100% recycled paper. One scoy, um, and it's S-K-O-Y, just so you know, mm-hmm. um, replaces the 10 paper towels. So instead of, like, pulling a paper towel to wipe something up, you use these. You can actually, um, you know, because sponges, sometimes they talk about sterilization. Um, but you can actually use um, them if you want to sanitize them. You know, they say pop a sponge in your microwave. You can do the same thing to sanitize your mm-hmm. scoy until you, they will wear out eventually. Um, but I'll just tell you, don't do it too long because they really are made of paper. And I have burned a score in the <laughs> microwave, I'm sterilizing it. That's good advice. Um, but I barely, yeah, so I barely, barely use paper towels anymore. And I and I live by myself, so, you know, it's I'm a completely different situation. Mm. But I probably buy a, a, a six-pack of paper towels once every 18 months now mm-hmm. because I have those and I just use those all the time. So that's yeah. what I would recommend. That's great. I hadn't heard of that brand before, so I'll have to look those up. So, yeah. Um, so, well, go ahead. I will tell you, once we get the website, sorry, really quickly, once we get the website back up, I do have some lists, um, which, which is a cool way to support us, of things you can get on Amazon, and a little bit of that money comes back to support EEN. So if you're going to spend the money anyway and you're going to be on Amazon, might as well support EEN. doesn't raise the cost at all. For the consumer, but that's way of Amazon, you know, letting people, letting us brag about the products we love. Okay, great. Uh, well, I just want to thank you for taking the time, um, taking the time to meet with me today and to talk and to share your insight. Um, I found this conversation really enriching, and um, I love the. I find it very beautiful the way that you describe um, caring for God's creation, and especially when you're talking about the Bible and that kind of thing. Um, so I really appreciate it, and I'm sure my listeners um, will as well. So thank you so much for taking the time to meet today. Well, I really, really appreciate you thinking of me, and um, I'm honored that I got to spend time with you and your listeners and look forward to getting it myself so I can share with our folks.